You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 111th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 484th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, February 14th, 2019, Valentine's Day. I am your host, Jared Morris. Let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred with 5.36 remaining in Sunday's devastating loss to Ohio State. With Indiana down 47-41, Deron Davis passed to Devontae Green, who promptly sank a three, pulling Indiana within three points. It was Deron's second and final assist of the game, and both of the assists were on three-pointers. Since his return to the lineup at Michigan State, Deron has dished out 13 assists over three games. The next closest Hoosier during that stretch is Romeo, who has nine assists while playing roughly double the amount of minutes. And of Duran's 13 assists, eight have come on three-pointers, and four were dunks. So Duran has been Indiana's best offensive player in terms of facilitating high percentage and high-efficiency looks, both of which were in short supply while he recovered from the ankle injury he suffered against Illinois. And what is really interesting about this flurry of recent assists is that while Duran has always flashed good ability as a passer, he's never done it this consistently or prolifically. He had a total of six assists prior to the Michigan State game, never accumulating more than one in any game. His assist rates as a freshman and sophomore were 12% and 12.8% respectively. His assist rate now as a junior is 17.1%. Oh, and all the while, he has maintained his shooting efficiency and improved his free throw shooting. So what are we to make of this? Well, two things. One, Duran has become a critical part of the offensive identity for this year's team. Everything seems to flow better offensively when he's on the court because of his size, skills, and confidence level. He will have to play as many minutes as he can handle down the stretch if the Hoosiers are to make anything of this disappointing season. And two, as we look forward to next year, Duran projects to be a vitally important piece of Archie Miller's third team at Indiana. His senior leadership will be counted on, as will his ability to anchor the post while Trace Jackson Davis experiences his inevitable ups and downs as a freshman in the Big Ten. If the last three games are any indication, Duran's skills and mindset are up to the task. If his lumbering body can finally hold up its end of the bargain, Duran may still be able to fulfill the promise he came to Indiana with as a recruit. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Chris Mack of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club and a world-renowned bracketologist. He's also ready for some new apparel after Indiana's former coach landed a top-five recruit earlier this week. Let's talk about where we can get those Tom Crean, George versus all y'all shirts. Andy, what is your bottoms line from the last week in Indiana basketball? 
as as for the Chris Mack comment, I will say I've never built that kind of lead on a team anywhere near as good as Duke, and that, so I've never had the opportunity to lose one. So what can you say? <laughs> um, you know, for me, I, I wasn't on the Ohio State game, and I think like a lot of people, that game has felt kind of worse the the more that you've gotten away from it. I think some of the other losses over the course of the season, you've been able to rationalize a little bit or or try to you know, put into a, a different context. And that one felt imminently winnable for one, given the way that Ohio State has been playing uh, and is playing. It wasn't an offensive juggernaut that was coming in that you really couldn't couldn't stop. And and once again, it was just the inability to make plays at key times to uh, to take control of the game, to to build a, you know, to even get to a point where you could build a lead and then to make key stops down the stretch. And I think those things have been present maybe in in varying durations but those things have been present during these last 10 games and as you get to this point in the season you can tell yourself a story that there's enough good games to be won out there that IU could you know claw their way back to the NCAA tournament picture and you could be asking Brian and I ridiculous scenarios about whether IU could get in the tournament and maybe that's true. I think the, the disheartening part is that there just isn't a lot that you've seen from the team that gives you the confidence that they'd be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them. And you're you know, mid-February and still searching is probably the way I would describe this team. Searching for an identity, searching for what the right lineups are, searching for somebody to pull them out of what's going on. And uh, it, it you know ultimately, there aren't too many seasons that end well that you get this deep into it and you still feel like you don't have a lot of answers about what the team is uh, and can be heading down the stretch toward the end of the season. So it's not an, uh, it's not a place of optimism, but uh, I, I also would say that hopefully this time off again has given a little bit of time to, to recoup and, and hopefully they got something left in the tank for the stretch run. Cause again, the opportunities are there. Uh, they just need to be able to show on a far, far more consistent basis that they're able to take those both, you know, on the on the micro level within the game and on the macro level across a series of games. And to my right, no, it is not Ryan Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan is on a date right now for Valentine's Day. Let's give it up for Mr. Phillips. Absolutely. Ryan had a good night. No, Megan, we don't know that yet, but hopefully it's a good night. In his place. Ryan, I'm taking care of you. He's a veteran Indiana high school head coach and assistant coach and the founder of Delphi Bracketology. He's our Will Sheehy, our Max Bielfeld, our John Laskowski, the official coach and sixth man of the assembly call. It is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Uh, it's, it's good to be here, and, and I'm going to have to meet with Ryan and, and talk to him about, you know, when it's AC radio night, you get your date done early. Uh, Mrs. Coach and I had a little dinner early. I told her we our date had to be over in time to do the show. It's all about priorities. Uh, I'm glad to be here with uh, the Indiana family and, and all the diehard Indiana fans. And, and my Tonsoni time is this. I am looking forward to a time, and, and hopefully sooner than, than later, where the program is about uh, the name on the front of the jersey. Uh, and, and we have uh, players, coaches, whoever you want to put the blame on, but everything's geared towards winning games at the collegiate level uh, and development is second place. Um, I, I just right now think that it is a fractured um, team for, for whatever reason. We're not there to know. Uh, I was not, and we'll talk about this later. I was not really happy with what I saw in pregame. Uh, the body language was poor. I think I tweeted about that and that's not what Indiana basketball is about. And, and covering other um, 
places and going to Purdue. And I know they're winning, so it makes a little difference. But the atmosphere in and around the program is a whole lot different. And and, and I th- I thought it would get here sooner. And that's where I'm disappointed that that the Indiana brand is is not further along. Uh, but I think there's a lot of reasons why it's not there. And, and we all collectively just need to hold on and, and keep the faith and, and keep plugging ahead because it will get there uh, again because that's what Indiana basketball is all about. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. We will each give a few keys to victory against Minnesota, the game coming up on Saturday. Then we'll talk about the biggest problem that Indiana needs to solve down the stretch. I know there are a lot of them, but I think this one is the biggest or certainly one of the biggest. We'll talk about why the atmospheres at Assembly Hall have seemed so pedestrian of late. And then we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we do that, though, let's talk about sleep. Go to bed. Specifically, let's talk about how to improve your sleep, which might mean getting a mattress that is custom designed and satisfaction guaranteed specifically for you, your body, and the way you like to sleep. And our friends at Comfort Option are committed to helping you do this. If you live in Indianapolis or Bloomington, Comfort Option will literally bring their mobile mattress store to your house and custom design a mattress for you right there on the spot. And one of the best elements of this program has always been the incredible 3090 satisfaction guarantee. Basically, they give you 30 days to try your new mattress. And if you don't like it, they'll take the next 90 days to reconstruct it to your satisfaction. Still don't like it after that. They'll take it back and refund your money, which sounds too good to be true, but only because no other mattress companies have ever been bold enough and confident enough to offer such a guarantee. But Comfort Option is. And the fine folks over at Comfort Option, they are IU grads and IU fans just like us. They've even got your back if you live outside Indy or Bloomington. And they do this with their Alpha mattress, which they ship direct anywhere in the U.S., cutting out the middleman and saving you money. And get this, Comfort Option recently extended their 3090 satisfaction guarantee to the Alpha mattress. So even if they ship it to you in, say, San Diego, you'll still have 30 days to try it, 90 days to request a reconstruction, and your satisfaction is guaranteed, or they take it back and refund your money. Boom. Over. Done. So go to ComfortOption.com right now and either order your Alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $50 off your purchase. Again, ComfortOption.com, promo code ASSEMBLY. For $50 off, get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It's too important. We want you to live. Yes, we do. Can we get some basketball, please? Okay, time to get back to talking basketball. Although I will let you know, by the way, hang around for the end of the show. Megan, one of the original chat mobbers, is going to be here to share her mattress story from her experience with Comfort Option. We're going to do that after the show. We're all very much looking forward to that. A special AC After Dark talking mattresses. Um, So, gentlemen... Let's talk about this Minnesota game coming up. Uh, you know, Andy, you talked about, you know, the opportunities to get wins. And Indiana obviously has some, you know, some tough games coming up at home. You got Purdue at home. You got Wisconsin at home. You got Michigan State at home. You do have some games that look like winnable games on the road. You know, Minnesota kind of a middle of the pack Big Ten team right now. They're six and eight overall. They've lost four in a row. What do you think are going to be some of the most important keys to going up there and getting a win for Indiana? Yeah, if you look at, at Minnesota, they really are are struggling. They've lost four in a row. The the two wins prior to that were Illinois at home and Iowa at home in a game. They had a, a reasonably big lead, as I recall, and let Iowa get back pretty close at the end. Uh, so they really haven't, you know, they, they their first Big Ten game of the, once the calendar turned to 2019, you know, they won at Wisconsin. But really since then, they've only won four Big Ten games all at home, Rutgers, Penn State, Iowa, Illinois. So against many of the teams toward the bottom of the league, which I, I suppose IU would be among those at this point. Uh, when you look at the stats, you know, conference play, 
I use 13th on offense, Minnesota's 13th on defense. So the movable force against oh the resistible <laughs> object, I think maybe, I don't know. How's that? I don't know how to, what the inverse of that, uh, that analogy is. So, you know, that's one area where at least for all of I use offensive struggles, they're not coming up against a team that's, that's played really well uh, on the defensive end, really nothing to hang their hat on in, in conference play as you look down that way. And, and on the other side of the floor, they really need to just keep Minnesota off the free throw line. Uh, we, we've talked about how great I use free throw defense has been, of course, but uh, Minnesota has, you know, first in the in Big Ten play and free throw rate at 40 at just over 40 percent. So that's a really uh, a really important number for them because they're not a team that shoots the ball particularly well. Uh, you're going to watch the 12th and 14th ranked uh, three point shooting teams in conference play. Uh, so that will be that will be exciting. But they do. Oh, get boy. Some, yeah. yeah. Get ready. Uh, I'll be at a sixth grade girls game that maybe may feature you know a relatively close uh, level of uh, of shooting I think but um, the, you know Minnesota does shoot really well from two and I, I think you look at guys like Jordan Murphy Amir Coffee who can get to the basket uh, being able to do some things there so you know it does feel like a game uh, you know the way this this run has gone I'm sure I just talked about how bad Minnesota shoots and they're going to go shoot 53 percent from three point range and uh, something like that but it does you know there's nothing. Outside of getting the free throw line and being able to score inside, that really stands out that Minnesota does well. Um, but IU's had its trouble rebounding. Jordan Murphy is one of the best rebounders in the in the league, um, maybe even the country if you if you go that far out. So I think trying to figure out a way to really keep him off the glass, limit some of those second chance points in a game that should feature quite a few missed shots if the if the numbers play out the way it looks like they will, or the, at least a couple of things that stand out to me. I would say it goes without saying that Indiana needs to get off to better starts in both halves. We're going to cover that in our next segment. You know, Andy, you talked about how Minnesota doesn't shoot particularly well. They're, I mean, they're a terrible shooting team on twos, on threes, on free throws. Basically, the way they generate points is that high free throw rate and second chance opportunities. So Indiana really needs to try to limit those. And then there's a big opportunity against them in transition. They're one of the worst teams in the country, according to Synergy Sports, in terms of defending in transition. And, you know, part of that is obviously because they crashed the boards and really put a high premium on offensive rebounding. So Indiana really, really needs to make them pay going the other direction and get some easy baskets, especially on the road. I think if Indiana can do that, they'll have a good chance to win. If they aren't able to get out in transition and it's just a half-court game all night, I think they're, you know, it'll be much more likely for them to struggle. Coach, what are your keys? I like your comment about transition and, and watching Archie on the sideline Sunday in person. He is constantly imploring the team to push uh, the basketball, and that comes down to getting solid point guard play. I think uh, Fennessey is has had a nice year. He's still just getting back uh, after his injury to playing with a, a lot of confidence. I think Archie really wants him to push the ball. That's a way uh, we've said it uh, several times on the show to, to get some easier offense. Um, I think the key is finding the right matchups. We're going to talk about that here coming up. Um, teams have found a way to clog the lane against our stars. And, and people always say, why aren't we winning with two outstanding players? Because they're really playing, you know, whenever they drive, it's one on two, one on three. And uh, when we've played well, we've hit threes and stretched the floor. And so I think some of that has to come to just executing the three-point shot a little bit better. But it also comes to having uh, players that can – maybe do that and stretch the floor and be guarded. Uh, unlike a few of the players have been just totally unguarded. And, and that is, that is hard to come up with offense. So it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota decides to defend uh, the, the team when certain players are, are on the floor. And, and hopefully we, we see that we can put them in rotation. If we can put 
them in rotation as bad as they are statistically. I think it bodes well for the Indiana offense, but uh, this team needs to find ways to score points in order to win Saturday. By the way, one individual that I'll point out for Minnesota is their freshman, Gabe Kalsicher. I'm not sure if that's exactly how to pronounce his name. He's kind of like a poor man's Joe Wieskamp, a little bit shorter than him, perimeter guy, pretty good three-point shooter. He's the one shooter that Indiana really needs to find. The rest of the guys, you'll probably be happy if they start launching threes, but uh, Kalsicher, typically when they win, uh, he has a pretty good shooting game. So that's a guy that, uh, that Indiana really needs to keep tabs on. All right, coming up on the assembly call, let's talk about Indiana's poor starts. And while the starts to games get the most attention, it's actually the drastic reversal and how Indiana starts second halves that has led to the post-Christmas slide. We will discuss. Stick with us next on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. As esteemed chat mobber Chad once put it, hearing the stuff in between, you get to know you guys a lot better. Like the time coach discussed his aversion to on-court tomfoolery. I once kicked my kid out of a fourth grade game because he popped his collar. <laughs> Join us live at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. So, guys, let's talk about starts because, you know, the way that Indiana has gotten off to starts in first halves of games has been a problem all season long. But when I dug into the numbers, I was doing a little research for Banner Morning earlier this week. Looking at what we've done at the starts of second halves really stood out. So I want to get your guys' reaction to this. So in Indiana's eight games against top 100 competition prior to the Michigan game. So, you know, the Illinois game and all the non-conference games plus the Northwestern and Penn State game against top 100 competition, the Hoosiers were outscored by a total of 23 points during the first 10 minutes of first halves. All right, not good. Indiana, you know, digging themselves early holes. But during the first 10 minutes of second halves, Indiana actually outscored its opponents by 23 points. So the Hoosiers were countering their poor first half starts by often winning to start the second half. And it was a trend that we noticed and talked about a lot on the postgame show and would often be a key to, you know, Indiana, you know, starting a comeback victory. But in the Hoosiers' 10 games against top 100 competition since then, all right, they have been outscored by 42 points during the first 10 minutes of first halves, which is similar to before, though a little bit worse on a per-game basis. But during the first 10 minutes of second halves, Indiana has been outscored by a whopping 56 points, including four instances in which the Hoosiers were outscored by double digits to start the second half. And note that Indiana's best three first-half starts at Maryland, at Northwestern, and at Rutgers were countered by their three worst starts in the second half, where they basically gave all of that lead up and more. So the Hoosiers are having to make up a ton of ground to you know in the second part of halves, both first halves and second halves, and they just aren't confident, explosive enough offensively to be able to do it. So, Coach, from your perspective as a coach, when you see that, a team that is just so bad, both the start of the first and the second half, what does that tell you about that team, and what are some things that you would try to do to shake them out of it, if anything? Well, it's easier said than done. Um, you know, a lot of times, sometimes when you have those teams, they're, they're a little mentally soft or, or they lack some toughness, and it takes a little bit of a jolt um, to their conscious or whatever to get them started. Oh my gosh, we're down 11 two. Now we have nothing to lose. And so now we start playing uh, a little bit better. Um, 
I, I, I just start to believe that this team is what I call a little bit of a light switch team, uh, that when the light switch is turned on, their play is really, really solid and, and they can compete with anyone. When the light switch is turned off, uh, they can play as bad as anyone on their schedule. And so, some of that has to be on Coach Miller to try to push the right buttons and know how each player is motivated and the team is collect is motivated collectively. Uh, but I, I also put a lot on the players. Uh, when I was there Sunday, uh, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I, I think when you show up uh, at Assembly Hall, Cook Hall on game day, you're there to work and work on game-ready skills. And I did not see that. Uh, now, whether that's the, you know, does the coach have to make sure that happens? You could argue that they have to do that, but players should do that too. Robert Fennessy was working really hard on his three-point shot uh, right up until the last buzzer to send him to the bench for starting lineups. He was down in a stance, catching uh, game speed. Uh, and there were other players and that I'm not into calling out uh, players uh, on the radio, but there were other players who were very nonchalant in, in, in warmups. And just catching the ball and taking their own time, just like you do when you go to the park to wait for a five-on-five game. And I think that sometimes players don't even know that they got to get themselves motivated or how to be self-starters. This team is not a self-starting team. And I think when you shut it down at halftime, heck, we've practiced halftime sometimes in the 20-some years that I've coached high school kids uh, to get them used to that break and then to get restarted again. So you try all kinds of tricks as a, as a coach. Some of them work, some of them don't. Uh, I saw in the chat there was a talk about is Archie not making halftime adjustments. I thought he made great halftime adjustments when they were 12 and two, and now he's not making them when they're when they're losing. So it, it sometimes, uh, yeah, it has to be on on coach. Uh, but I don't think it's X's and O's. I think this team has has um, a little bit of a lackadaisical approach, uh, and and you need to just practice it out of them uh, and, and do what you can to to tell them they're better when they are locked in and focused. Uh, because they come back in almost every game and then they have another down segment. So I, I think that's part of the key. I think it's personnel wise too. I think we, we need to see some different lineups because uh, if you can't hit an open 15 footer and if you can't drive to the basket and keep track of the basketball uh, at the college level, you're really hurting the, the other team's uh, offensive ability. And you're going to have to go with guys that can provide something a little bit different. You know, and a lot of times it's offense at the start of halves that is really bad and the shooting is bad. So maybe the fact that they warm up like that, it's almost like their first game speed shots happen in the game rather than happening in the warm up to where you're ready for those shots when the action and, starts. And we're not determined. We're not determined to get the shots that we want early in the games. Yeah. We settle. So the team comes in and sticks a guy at the basket, go through two guys and try to get a shot at the rim. And we do that at times, but it seems like almost every game there's a settled three a couple turnovers and then another settled three and we're and Indiana's down 11 to two. I don't think there's a real fight to get the shots that you want. Uh, some of that is because of the defense, but I think I, I just wonder if the approach right now, and when you're losing, you feel sorry for yourself and, and you got to be tougher when you're, when you're losing. And, and I just don't see it with this team collectively. So Andy, let's talk about potential solutions because something that we have talked about, especially after these last couple of games, is maybe it's time to start Duran, you know, and maybe it's time to just put your five most consistent players at the start of the halves. And yeah, you know you only have Duran for maybe 20 to 22 minutes, but at least get off to better starts, play him at the end, and just figure out what you have to do in the middle. And if Indiana's going to do that, it would seem like this game against Minnesota would be a good time because they start the big guy Oturu alongside Murphy. So it would really seem like a good game to do that if if Archie were inclined to do so. Yeah, I think 
even going back a little bit further than that, I, I had thrown out the, the notion of moving Juwan to the four and trying to figure something else out. And I think that was, that may have even been before Duran really has come back and played well. And, and in my yeah. head, it was just to give a different look because if you want to continue to play the way that they did, I think that was for me, one of the more frustrating things in the, at the beginning, at least of the Ohio state game, and Ryan Carraza broke that down on on inside the hall and all those possessions where basically they're parking a guy in the middle of the lane and basically letting Justin Smith do whatever he wants. At some point, you have to deploy him in a different place. You can't continually set him up to get the ball at the top of the key knowing that they're not going to guard him. So do you invert him and Juwan, even though he's not really a post-up player, but at least keep somebody honest to do that. But continuing to give him the ball on the perimeter is is kind of setting him up to fail, unfortunately. And you would like to think that he is, is at a point in his career where he's going to know, you know, some of the things that coach said of, you know, I'm going to be able to drive into traffic without losing the ball. I'm going to be able to pull up and, and confidently take a, you know, 12 foot jump shot. He fact is he wasn't doing that. So it becomes really difficult if you want to continue to deploy him where you are on the floor and watch him play the way that he's played, it really becomes tough to talk yourself into that being the right thing to do. So if if that's what you're going to do when he's on the floor, then to me, you can't put him on the floor as much as you have been. Um, you either got to adjust where you're using him or you got to adjust who's playing. And so if the answer is let's adjust who's playing, I think Duran has shown certainly a good passing ability. You highlighted that in the opening. And and he at least is a guy that other other defenses have to respect. You You wouldn't if the roles were reversed and he's the guy inside and Juwan is the guy playing where Justin Smith was against Ohio state, they're not going to park the guy in the, you know, three feet from the basket and dare Juwan to, to take shots because at a minimum he, he's shown the ability to hit threes this year, but can even step in and, and make another shot. So at this point, clearly what you're doing isn't working. So your options to me are you either go with a different group or you figure out a different place to put Justin Smith on the floor where he can be successful and not be basically baited into taking either poor shots or or drives that are going to end up losing the basketball. For what it's Andy, worth, the jo- problem the the problem with that though is his best spot is on the block, and that's where Duran's best spot is, and that's where Juwan's best spot is as as well. Yeah. I know Duran can play yeah. outside, but the the adjustment you're absolutely right. Get him off the perimeter, set him on the block, but then that even clouds things up for Romeo driving, and that's that's where the coach is really caught between a rock and a hard place. In that's an absolute place to put him but he has trouble scoring down there as well so that might be bench time too in different rotations um yep. at some point well to that point you know his his minutes have dropped a little bit these last couple of games starting with the illinois game he played at least 31 minutes in every game except for one which was the maryland game when he got uh that was the game he got in foul trouble and was actually was playing really well defensively early and got in foul trouble for most of the second half but these last two games he's played 28 and 24 minutes as deron davis has been able to come back and take some of those minutes so we're already seeing that adjustment and it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves moving forward you know coach well hang other, on the other, the, oh, yeah, the other thing that i would say about that i mean if you look again these are in-game efficiency numbers but they are brutal bad. I mean, only that Michigan game, the first Michigan game at Michigan, he was well over a hundred, basically scoring, you know, over a point per possession on, on possessions that he uses. But I mean, he's been, hasn't been over a hundred in any of the other nine games. And there's some of them that have been incredibly low. So, and that's, that's basically like a standard, like average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the, even the Michigan state game, he was at a, a 93, which, 
was largely a function of him taking so many more shots than what he had before, but the rebounds and some of those things helped make up for it. But yeah, I mean, the other numbers, 76, 84, 67, 75, 49 in one of the games. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to win unless everybody else is playing so much better. And that really magnifies that really magnifies these slow starts because the offense we've seen is not one that's going to dig you out of a big hole. It's just not capable of it right now. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't feel like you have to look really hard. He's been solid defensively and has improved in that area over the season. But I, I don't think you have to look really hard to, to figure out that if there's somebody that you might need to give a few less minutes to right now, it's him. Doesn't mean that doesn't change next year. Doesn't mean he's a you know lost cause, as I think some people would like like you to believe. But but right now he's just not giving you enough to to warrant leaving him on the floor for the amount of minutes that he was playing at that point earlier in the season. Yeah, just it doesn't fit quite as well. And he's got to be elite defensively to make up for that. You know those offensive struggles, and he hasn't been consistent enough. So last point on this, coach. I mean, other than breaking clipboards and tossing around soiled toilet paper, like what would you do to you know try to Try to try to get these guys starting off better. Well, we we talked a little bit pre-show that what you do is use the bench as a motivator in the game and outside the game. But with the massive amounts of injury, the drop off you're you're better with Justin Smith playing good defense and not being a threat on offense than maybe going down to some guys that you recruited to develop for a year and really didn't expect to play. Uh, that that makes it. That makes it hard. With Duran coming back, you see the minutes going down. You're, you have a capable backup. Well, Duran was gone for four games in that losing streak. Uh, so I think you do that. As far as the young man, I think you just keep talking to him, showing him film. Um, and then at some point, you got to find the right buttons. Um, sometimes kids need to get screamed and yelled at. Sometimes kids just need to be told, hey, you're not going to play until you play a little better. And then it's up to the young man to figure it out. Um, but it, it is time for him to to figure out consistent effort. Um, there is, you know, there is some body language off the camera, and that's why I like going to the games. Uh, it was the first game that I saw that, um, again, certain players being subbed out and shrugging their shoulders and that. That's where I, I the opening for me is it's got to get back to winning for Indiana, not what's best for for individual players. And that's hard to coach out of kids. And and when and when things start to roll bad. You can try a, a a whole bag of tricks as a coach, um, you know, uh, sitting them in practice, putting them on the second unit of practice, extra work, all of those things. Uh, but ultimately, if, if someone is not mentally locked in, you're never going to get their best performance. So you just got to keep trying and, and, and you call your buddies in coaching. Hey, have you ever had a guy like this? What did you do? What do you suggest? And right now you need a psychology degree with this team, I think, more than you need X's and O's. Yeah. Good point to end on, Coach. All right, as we move forward here with the Assembly Call, there was something we got more questions about than anything else, and that is the atmosphere at Assembly Hall. So we're going to talk about that. Coach was there. Talk about what the issues are and what can be done to fix it. That's next on the Assembly Call.
Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send it out uh, both after the games or post-game analysis, plus our weekly IU News Roundups, even during the offseason. It will make you a smarter or more well-informed IU basketball fan. There's a high-level operation going on out there. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. All right, so coach, as we mentioned, you were at the game, uh, at the Ohio State game, and you know when I put out a call for questions this week, there was one topic that we got way more than anything else. So instead of saving it for segment four, we're going to talk about it here. And I don't think we're necessarily going to figure anything out, but we at least need to kind of talk about it and explore the issue a little bit. Um, but this question from our buddy uh, Chris, IU Artifacts, really kind of summed it up. He said, I don't know about others who regularly attend games, but I find it disheartening that during timeouts, especially in critical moments of the game, there's nothing going on to truly keep fans inspired, pumped up, and loud. Everything seems flat coming out of these timeouts to the point where we truly are struggling to get motivated for the next play. I realize the season has been a downer, but this kind of situation has happened at key moments of important games. What suggestions would you make to timeouts down the stretch uh, more about keeping fans lively? And so, you know, I would say a couple things here, Coach, and I want to get your thoughts because you were there. Number one, and, you know, I recall going to games as a kid, you know, at timeouts, it always felt like there was something, like the cheerleaders were doing a Go IU chant, or there was something to kind of keep the fans engaged. And maybe, you know, that isn't happening as much. You know, we only go to one game a year now, um, and I haven't noticed it, you know, quite as much as I used to as a kid, but I certainly remember that that was happening. You know, and I will also say, just to preface this entire conversation, this is not meant as like a dig at the fans because, you know, while Ryan has been critical at times of the fans this year, I have a real hard time putting a lot of it on the fans because it's always felt to me, at least watching on TV, like the fans, even though they haven't been there on the numbers we would like, have been ready to explode and support this team, but the team has never quite been able to keep the momentum up. So, you know, that to me is the bigger issue with, you know, with, with, with the enthusiasm in the hall, though, you know, there are other opinions on that. But overall, I think it's more the malaise of the team. But Chris does bring up a good point about things that could be done to keep fans engaged. So, Coach, what did you notice being there at the Ohio State game? Yeah, first of all, thanks to Chris. He, he was the guy who got me some nice tickets uh, midcourt, row six. Um, had a good day with him um, talking IU sports. I thought the crowd was okay. Uh, I thought that they got there early. It was snowing. I was worried that it would be a light crowd. The students weren't as there as possible. It wasn't as loud as it's been, and probably because the the team hasn't played very well. I thought there were several times during the game where the crowd tried to respond. But to Chris's question, um, it's about atmosphere, and the atmosphere is the team, the the crowd, the support staff, and, and what is done throughout the the game. When you go to good college basketball. Uh, arenas. That atmosphere starts uh, half an hour before the game and it, it ends just after the game is done. And it is a constant buzz hum that is basketball related. Uh, I think sometimes in, in, in our arena and it is in some other arenas that it becomes uh, a revenue stream issue and commercials are shown during timeouts and, and uh, Puchetto's pizza races and things like that, and, and I'm not smart enough to understand that there might be a need for that revenue, and I, and I have a lot of respect for, any, for people in, in the athletic department. Um, but I, I hate to bring this up on assembly call, but Delphi Bracketology covers, uh, we get media credentials at Purdue. That place is a zoo. It is an absolute nut place besides the obvious reasons. 
but I'm talking that atmosphere from the start. <laughs> um, you know, I've never seen so many people that don't know what they're doing get together for one cause. Um, you know, um, that th- it is, it is what I consider to be basketball atmosphere. And you know, the band does a great job of keeping people entertained throughout the timeouts. And, and, I don't notice any commercials or any sponsorships or whatever. And I'm sure Purdue has them up on the board, but I, I notice them more at Indiana than the other uh, intermission type stuff. And I, and I'm like you, I was trying to think back there's cheers. I don't remember the commercial aspect of it as much as I, I well, there I weren't any now. ads in assembly hall there yeah, for a while. And, and you have the, you have the, you know, you had the, at, um, airport abbreviation game and all of those things. Um, I think you got to make a conscious decision. Do you want a basketball atmosphere or are you just uh, putting on a basketball game? And, and um, I'll take it off the crowd. I thought the crowd was there enough for the team. The team wasn't there for the crowd. And, and I will say that Sunday. I, but- I, I did. There was there were some anecdotal kind of notes in our community from people that were you know concerned that pe- you know too many people were on their phones and not quite into yeah. it and all of that. But this kind of goes into that. You know, if you're giving people downtime, they're going to fill mean- it with something and get distracted. You know, Chris told me that there was a, a comeback in the Iowa game with two and a half minutes to go, and instead of a, a pump-up song or something or a cheer, they're they're playing the Bacchetto's Pizza Race where people are yelling yellow, purple, or green, and it just killed the vibe of any momentum. Um, I, I think that just needs to be looked at. And again, I don't mean any disrespect to the hardworking people at, at uh, Indiana, but um, Purdue, Duke, some some of those places, it's an atmosphere that helps win basketball games and assembly. Uh, Hall can get there and can get back there. I think the team needs to win first and foremost. Yeah, that's the number one issue. Now, they got to get better. Coaches got to get better. Players got to get better. But it, it's too commercial for me. I feel that way about football too. Um, and I, I, I guess I just need a lesson in revenue, probably to be fair. Now, Andy, you've been very supportive of the Backstreet Boys music at the end of second halves. So would you like to defend that stance? Uh, no, I thought that was that was your uh, that's your corner there to. Uh... <laughs> to go against that no i know i just loved that you had tweeted about it and then I, it was listed in your notes i it you know i think some of the i think the actual fan support during the game i think there's you know two elements of it i think one is what you guys said of how you kind of maintain that energy as you're going through which i think is a fair criticism it sounds like in terms of what they're doing or even in those moments when there there can be the opportunity to you know pipe in a song to maybe make a different choice uh but but the other thing, it's it's kind of a chicken and egg argument at, at some point of I, I, if I show up and I'm ready to go, you know, ready to go. And then the team comes out and, you know, is continuously digging a hole for itself at the beginning of the game or the shot clock malfunctions. It's easy to. Yeah, it's easy to say, all right, well, you kind of fall back into the well, I'm going to wait till something good happens to, to cheer versus I'm going to cheer to make something good happen. It kind of becomes that argument. And I think. Yeah. I think people are in different scenarios to go to the games. I mean, as you said, you know, we go to one game a year, so I'm going to be a lot more apt to to get pretty into it versus if I've been to five straight games, you know, even going into the Ohio State game, I've seen three straight home losses and a team in a couple of them, you didn't really feel like they showed up. I might go, but it feels a little bit more like it's going to take something for you as the team to really get me into the game versus, yeah, I haven't been and I'm going to go for my one time a year. And, and go all out and get really excited. I think it's a it's a mix of those people in the crowd. And if you're not getting everybody, you know, kind of in the in the bucket of the person who's you know one time there a year, really getting really getting into it, it becomes hard. But I understand 
why you want to get out there. And there's times that the team isn't showing you a whole lot to get excited about, even from an effort standpoint where you can really, uh, and I think some of those things are, you know, you guys talked to Jordan Hulls this week. I think some of those things with those teams really pulled people along and made them want to cheer because you felt like you might make a difference. You knew they were outmanned. You knew they needed help, but you also saw them playing so hard that you felt like maybe some obligation or whatever, whatever it might be that maybe you could do something to push it over the top, but they motivated you to do that. And I think this year's team has struggled to really push people and give them a reason to give them that extra nudge to get a little bit further, unfortunately. Yeah. And look, and a big, you know, look, like you said, Andy, you know, we don't live in Bloomington. We go to one game a year. So we really have to defer to other people when it comes to the atmosphere there. And it's a very complicated issue that doesn't have a simple answer. You know, I do think we've been doing the show now for eight years. We started in the 2012 season. I don't remember a whole lot of complaints about the crowd the first two seasons that we were doing the show. Part of that is because the fans love that team, embrace that team. They brought it pretty much every night and they were really good. But it's felt like for about the past five or six seasons, you know, outside of 2016, when that team really got on a roll, about this time in the year, this becomes an annual topic. And part of that is clearly because the team just hasn't been playing that well. And I think, you know, we're really... If we can't get this thing turned around and start winning consistently again under Archie Miller, and I'm not saying I don't think that we will, but I just think it's a very critical time right now because, you know, Andy, when when you and I came up as fans, we were kind of at the tail end of such a great run for Indiana, you know, from 72 to 94, 22 years where Indiana finished in the top 25, 18 times in the top 10, 12 times, won three national titles. We missed the tournament just four times in that span. Well, if you look at the 23 years since, from 95 to 2018, Indiana's finished the season in the top 25 just six times and in the top 10 once, and we've made one Final Four. We've missed the tournament eight times in that span. You know, all of that coming in the last 15 seasons. So, you know, whereas, you know, we kind of became fans at a time where you always expected the best and you expected winning, we've got, you know, two-plus decades now of fans that have come up just kind of expecting Indiana to be good every now and then and this vague promise of what things once were, but so many false starts of like, you know, we're finally back. And if you're interested in this topic, I highly recommend the Crimson cast where they really went into this in a lot more depth. But, you know, at some point, Coach, the the consistent winning is going to have to come back to, you know, to pack the stands and to redevelop a fan base that comes in game in, game out, expecting the team to win because I just think right now and it's totally understandable why I don't know that we have that same just confident slash enthusiasm you know as a as a as an overall fan base when when we're at the hall yeah and and I'm a big believer I get into this with some of my football buddies if if you want crowds win And, and I don't think it's a chicken or the egg situation I think winning cures a lot of things and when you win people want to be there and Probably when you guys started the show, that's when I you started to turn around and making sweet 16s and rank number one, and people were happy. And then it's kind of gotten choppy since then. So you understand that. No one, no one likes to to watch a product that's up and down. Uh, but but again, I think college sports are are that's you know if you went to school there or you've been a diehard fan and didn't go to school there, you got to stay with it and and bring everything you got. It's it's good or bad. I'd rather watch Indiana than than some other other teams and I'm proud to wear the cream and crimson and have my man cave all painted up and I won't go anywhere else win or lose and we need more of that attitude than win or I'm not I'm quitting on the team I'm not watching anymore I'm not doing this I I don't care if it's the worst program in the world I'm gonna watch and I would implore fans to get back to that because college sports and Indiana University deserve it 
Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think the I, I agree I agree with both of you because I think the foundation that Jared talked about is probably what leads us to all fall into the camp of what of what coaches said. You know, we have such great fond memories of of watching games growing up, of whether it was in assembly hall or or not. And those kinds of foundational things make it really hard to to turn away from something and not feel emotionally invested in it. And even if I would say I'm, you know, because other things in life come up and there's things that you find eventually that there's things more important than, uh, than that. Maybe I'm not as emotionally invested as I once was, but at least in the, in the, you know, in that sense, I think we have a lot of that. And then I think you've got a generation of people now who don't have the same, you know, quantity and maybe even quality of those fond memories of what that really means. And I think it becomes a point of, I won't, I won't say animosity, but I think it becomes a you know point of pride for some people to do and, and a reason to get upset with other people who don't view it in the same way. And so I think it's, you know, you need to get to a point where another generation of folks has those experiences that really matter. And I, you know, you, you referenced a few numbers and probably put together some others that, you know, there's a heck of a lot of people who just don't have that same idealized view of it. And maybe that leads us to trying to find an idealized view of this team you know, every single season as we do that, I just think there's not people who view it that way anymore, which is a function of how they perform, which is a function of winning, uh, like coach said. So, you know, like it or not, there, there are certainly folks who have been around and saw enough winning early on to, to kind of anchor themselves to, to the program in that way. But unfortunately right now, the reality is that, that I think there are a lot of, of folks who have, who don't have, who haven't done that, who haven't, don't have those kinds of, you know, that that thing to really anchor them to it and hopefully one of these one of these teams will will be able to build that back up in a sustained way as opposed to you know those kind of you know short flashes like you talked about in, in a couple of the seasons even since we've been doing the show got to create those emotional attachments man that's what we need more of all right coming up in our final segment we answer more of your questions including one about who our iu basketball valentine is for a timely question and another about why it seems like archie is getting consistently out coached in big 10 play that is next on the assembly call stick with us listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and the coach brian tonsoni and as we do every week now in segment four we'll answer some of your questions and we get these questions from our private iu basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com community and so let's start out with jd's question it's a it's a timely one i figured someone would ask this it's been a rough big 10 season how about some positivity and gasp fun who is your iu basketball valentine andy Who's your IU basketball Valentine right now? Well, I, I'll go. I'll just throw out a couple guys who I who I really liked when I was in school. Uh, one was Larry Richardson, which was uh, it, my my roommate and I for whatever reason really latched on to Larry Richardson, and and unexpectedly he really turned in some big performances toward the end of his uh, of his career, which was extremely unexpected. But he had uh, he did he found his way into the hearts of some other fans uh, during then. Uh, the other one I was a like not not long after that was a, a good a big Coverdale guy for a little while. So those are at least a couple from the past that were some of my you know older 
uh, older favorites outside of obviously Calvert Chaney and some of those other guys we talked about. Now, if we really want to get corny around Valentine's Day, you could throw out Steve Hart's name, but that would be that oh, would be boy. you just had be in poor form. You had to do it. Just couldn't couldn't help myself. Couldn't help yourself, uh, Coach. Your IU basketball Valentine, Quinn Buckner, um, favorite all time, uh, servant leader. Uh, didn't care about scoring. Uh, got the job done. Was a, a champion. Just um, back from the old days, what, what I think is a typical point guard, run the show, lead the team, uh, be a leader, on-court leader. We talk about some of the issues of today's team. Quinn wouldn't put up with it. Um, as oh, a young person, uh, age 10, 11, 12, watching that team, um, I learned a lot about what it takes to, to, to be a champion. Quinn Buckner is uh, my Valentine. I'm going to go with a couple of guys on the current team. Uh, I'm going to go with Rob Finnessy and Al Durham, two guys who, you know, their play has been a little bit up and down. Al didn't have a very good game, you know, last time out against Ohio State. Rob has been up and down since the concussion. But as this season has gone along, I, you know, I really have appreciated how hard those guys have played. Some of the leadership traits that they've showed, Coach, you talked about some of the leadership by example, you know, from Rob just in how he works out. We've seen Al kind of come out of a shell. And I, I'm just, I really, while so much of this season has gone wrong, I feel really good about those guys as backcourt building blocks for the future. Not that they're going to be all Americans or, you know, surefire all Big Ten players, but they are guys for Archie Miller to build around that I think are going to be legitimately really good players moving forward. And so it hasn't been a season with a whole lot of positives, but I'm still really optimistic about those guys uh, and what they can do in their future at Indiana. Um, and tell us what who your IU Valentine is. Tweet us at Assembly Call. We would love to. We would love to see what you come up with. Uh, Coach, this is from Tony. Why does it seem that Archie is constantly getting out coached this Big Ten season? All the film sessions keep showing how IU is getting exposed instead of showing what Archie is doing to expose the opponent. Kind of concerning. Are you are you concerned about Archie's coaching, or do you think that this might be you know more of a personnel type issue and and something else manifesting here? Uh, yeah. Everyone knows my bias. I think it's a personnel issue. Um, when you have huge degrees of, of issues, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of things you can try. Uh, you know, Indiana's offense got better when they had to double team the low post uh, against Ohio State and kicks out for a three for Romeo. So, you know, that's good offense. I think Archie knows what he's doing. I think at the beginning of the year he had made some good adjustments. Uh, I just think right now that uh, the defensive adjustments are really hard when you have three guys sitting at the rim. Uh, there's not a whole lot of offensive uh, plays and stuff out there to really knife through that effectively without someone hitting a few threes. So, yeah, he needs to do a better job. Uh, that's It's always the coach's responsibility, but it's tough. You know, and part of it, too, is on defense. You know, Ben and I talked about this on Basketball 201. It's like, you know, teams kind of know what we're going to do on defense because teams know what you do with the pack line defense the goal when you run the pack line is just to run it so darn well that even if teams know what you're going to do, they can't do it. And that last play, you know, they slip the screen, our help isn't there quick enough. That's almost surely not how it's being taught. The lessons just haven't sunk in yet with a freshman in Rob Finnessy who was on the ball, a sophomore in Justin Smith who was guarding the screen, and a freshman in Romeo who was helping against seniors and juniors running the offense. So that's part of it too, is that some things that look like coaching and to a certain extent are in some ways, are young guys who just haven't been able to absorb all the lessons yet. Now, Archie hasn't really adjusted and maybe simplified things, but he's committed to doing things his way, and I can see it both ways there. Andy, what are your thoughts on this? 
Well, it's it, the pack line is is funny because you that's one of the you know criticisms, and I know you and Ben kind of talked about is, is it a case where do you compromise on what you think you want to do for your system given personnel for a year, and you kind of you know push off the implementation of what you want to do in building that a year, and then you sit down and you watch a team like Virginia who plays it so so well. And a lot of people want to argue that, you know, that their style of play is not great, whatever. But if you want to watch good defense, go watch how they play. And they can really even things out. They've, they've gotten better players over the course of time. But you watch them play North Carolina, who, you know, recruiting rankings, all those kinds of things. What they did was able to negate a lot of good players versus, you know, sometimes you play a team like Duke, who doesn't matter. They're going to beat you just because they got so, so much better athletes. But it can work against really good teams. Yep. All right. That's going to have to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk with you Saturday after the IU Minnesota game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and cut. Nice. Yeah, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. There. No, you're you're fine. That's why I didn't know how much time we had. So, yeah, but no, I mean, it really sure. is like you. If you watch, I mean, you just watch Virginia even against Carolina on Monday, and at times they were able to do it against Duke. But sometimes you're just going to get. I mean, that Duke team can just do what you know. I think if they put their mind to, it, they can do whatever they want against anybody. But man, I mean, you watch some of that. You see that defense played really well. Oh man, I think some of the reservations go away. I was, I was almost going to throw out like you and Ben should you know have him get a few clips of like Virginia possessions where they do the things that I use trying to trying to do. Yeah. And then you see it work and you're like, yeah, this really can work now, whether Archie's able to get it to that point or not, who, who really knows. But I mean, if you see it played well, play the way that they want to, it, it well, I mean, think about it. We have it look right now. We have a lot of freshmen and sophomores, you know, doing it for the first time. Virginia has juniors and seniors who got to learn from juniors and seniors who were doing it when they got there. And so, you know, if we're going to be yeah. committed to this, we have to be patient enough to let, that institutional knowledge and 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 chemistry and cohesion build up because it's nowhere close right now. And obviously, when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's hard to teach people who don't want to hear. And, and, and again, I, I'm very careful to to not throw people under the bus. But there were a lot of ball screen defenses that weren't run well by a particular starter. Um, 
who just jogged through coverages all night long that I don't know was on camera or not. Um, it was it was a consistent lack of effort on the defensive side. That's not part of the pack line. There's no defense that anyone coaches that says, <laughs> "Hey, you give me poor, you know, uh, effort over here, and we'll be okay defensively." You know, that's part of what we do. <laughs> we had we had we had a parent yell something out about we subbed out our big guy, and oh, you need the big guy on the floor. Yep, yeah, but we've studied; he goes well in four minute bursts. You know, we're, we're we're not sitting here going, "Hey, it's time for us to lose." Now we're up ten points. We want to lose, so we're going to take this guy out because <laughs> we want to lose. You know, we, we've actually kind of looked at this stuff every once in a while. So wait, coaches are making decisions that give them, that they believe give them a better chance to win. Is that what you're telling us? No, Andy, that's absolutely <laughs> wrong. We're making decisions to, to make people miserable. We're, we're, we want to make people cry and hate our team and want us fired. That's, that's what, that's the, that's the coaches meetings are all about. How can we so really glad somebody finally said it? Yeah. Tick off everyone in the crowd. Wow. Coach is getting Sorry. feisty here. AC Sorry, that's a little, a little rant. No, that's good. All right, so we have, a we have a special edition of AC After Dark. The great Megan, Tax Megan, is here. All right, is it working okay? Yeah, uh, maybe talk a little bit louder or, oh. or get a little closer to the microphone. I can do either. There you go. That's a fancy Better? microphone. It's too bad Ryan's not here telling you to put the microphone closer to your face a bunch of times. So that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got better plans and stuff than we do for Valentine's Day, apparently. I don't know. Maybe point the mic towards your face a little. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, all right. So are you ready to walk into the bear's mouth here and uh, talk? <laughs> I, I had to laugh when I realized that we had this whole thing set up for Valentine's Day. I was like, uh... I did not. I did not realize that at first, <laughs> but it it works out well easy it's to perfect. say now but yeah. we all know mm -hmm. yeah so so you ordered a mattress from comfort option i did and so how did that go did you do the alpha or did you do the in-home so i did the alpha because it's tax season and i don't have time to meet people at my house because i'm at the office all the time i'm still at the office right now i've been here since eight o'clock this morning so i'm like 14 hours into my day um so they kind of laughed at me. They were like, no, really, we'll come to you. And I'm like, no, really, I work seven days a week right now. There's I guess you could have had him get you a mattress for the office. I mean, and I could have considered that like, <laughs> hey, will you come to my office and I can check out the bed and then you could just go ahead and put it in a box here and we'll shove it in my car and I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I did the alpha. Um, they did go ahead and actually they brought it down. They delivered it themselves as opposed to actually shipping it so that they could drive the vehicle around. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you guys just heard that. One of the other computers is trying to shut down next to me. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> um, but um, so we ordered the alpha. We ordered the medium alpha. Okay. I'm a side sleeper. My husband likes a firm bed. So we were trying to kind of find the right happy medium. And because um, when you go online, you can there's like several different options you can choose, right? That there, are, there are different options for the alpha mattress. Uh, there is a firm. There's a soft, and there's a medium. No. Uh, no. The medium was perfect, you guys. So I blew a disc in my back like 10 years ago now, and it's never been the same. We were talking in the chat mob a couple weeks ago um, about McBob and back injuries and how like basic things like sneezing is completely terrifying when you have a back injury. Mm. Um, and I've literally like called my chiropractor crying going, 
I just sneezed and it's the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Can I come see you now? Um, and so I was trying to think exactly what day they brought my mattress. But I mean, we unrolled it. It's all on my Instagram. If you go hunt me down on Instagram. Yeah, you did. You had a cool Instagram, (laughs) a series of posts on that. We were like, it was almost live tweeting the whole experience of the unpacking and unboxing and the inflation, which was a lot of fun for my teenage daughter to watch. And And we should state for the record, you bought your mattress. Now you got a nice, you got you got a nice discount on it because they offered us a discount if one of us wanted to get it, and none of us Mm -hmm. had an immediate need. So you got a good discount, but you did buy this yourself. So it's yes, yes, I purchased my mattress, and uh, if you ask my three teenagers, I will be purchasing more of them here in a few months. Uh, Each of the kids is, you know, fighting for space in my bed. Uh, which I haven't had in a long time because they're teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a really good possibility that we will be uh, getting a few more after tax season is over. Uh, I mean, my kids are all due for upgrades too, but my husband and I specifically had been sleeping on the same mattress since we got married. We will be married 18 years. Wow. It was beyond time for a mattress. And we had been looking... I mean, I think you and I had chatted about it at one point right around Christmas. I'd Mm -hmm. been kind of looking for a little bit and we'd been trying to figure out. And again, going mattress shopping, going somewhere to do that is so difficult. And you don't, I mean, you can go to different places and you can lay on different things and you have your shoes on and it's not the same. It's not the same as what your real sleeping experience is going to be like and what it's going to be like in your own home. Um, So Knowing that I also had the opportunity to bring it in my house, unroll it, check it out. Um, I actually got an email this morning from Comfort Option just checking in, you know. Oh, that's cool. How's everything going? Do we need to make any adjustments? Because they will do that with the Alpha mattress too, folks. They will do that with their, their kind of standardized mattress structure. They will let you sleep on it for... 30 days and then they'll work with you to kind of swap things out and and make it more appropriate for what you need if you find it's not working for you which is awesome. Now, we've been really really pleased with with how the alpha medium has felt, but like I gave some real thought to the firm um just cuz my husband tends to like a firmer bed and uh, I thought, well, but at least this way we have the option, you know, we can, we can play with this, we can check it out. So, but then, you know, there again, if you have them just show up, if you're in this area and you have them show up and build you what you want, then you, you're checking it out right there in your driveway. It's the coolest looking thing. Do you know, could they build like half a mattress one way and half another way, like a pizza with half pepperoni, half sausage? Like, does that, you know, I don't know specifically cause I did not think to ask that. I don't know that either. I should ask that question, but I would think that that's, not outside the scope of possibility. And I'm sure it's not the first thing they've ever been asked. Um, and in fact, I can email Ian back. He's He's been their kind of their contact point uh, that I have been working with. He's kind of their brand manager or whatever. And uh, just kind of try and find out on something like that so that we can kind of pull that back in here. Because I think there are definitely, I mean, obviously there are mattresses out there that market to that specifically. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm was there anything about the experience that was not what you expected or that, that was not, you know, in the interest of full candor? And you right. and I didn't plan this either. <laughs> <We're> just... No, <laughs> no. Um, 
no, I mean, it, we, I mean, the whole thing just kind of start to finish really fell together super well. Um, it was, it was funny, actually, we have a California King, uh, and apparently they have a lot of issues where people think they have a California King and don't really. So like the very first, Ryan, email- Ryan is going to think this segment is about him now, suddenly. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan and his head. <laughs> um, but they, they reached out and the very first thing they said was, are you sure you have a California King? Because we want to make sure we send you the right size mattress. And I'm like, yeah, I've been buying sheets for this thing for a hot minute and you can't just walk into a store and get those. So, um, what's a California King? Is that it's so a King bed is <laughs> my wife is laughing at me. Is that, <laughs> is that standard information that people know? No, I this is the first time I've ever heard of California King. Really? <laughs> that part is funny. Yeah. That part is funny. Um, so a standard King is wider and shorter. I think I got to remember which way the dimensions go. One is slightly wider and not as long than okay. the other. I don't remember which way it goes. My bed is 72 inches wide and 84 inches long. Okay. Or I don't know. Mine's a California King. It's hard to buy sheets for. You can't just walk into target and get those. Mm, okay. But, um, no, I mean, I think really the whole thing start to finish went incredibly smoothly. It was That's awesome. That's good to hear. I mean, it took me, it probably took me more time to convince myself that, that I knew which mattress I wanted to get. Um, you know, did I want to try and see if I could find a way to have them come, come and do the custom build? Cause I mean, as much as anything, cause that sounded cool, yeah. right? Like they were lived if you go to their website and you look at the pictures that are there, there's, there's a van with a bed in it and they just put the mattress together right there and you lay on it and you decide if you like it or not. Hmm. Um, so are but, you, when you do it for the kids, are you going to get, are you going to have them come out? I mean, I think that's probably going to make the most sense. I mean, yeah. I know that the kids like what I have, but like my oldest has back issues as well. Hmm. Um, and he may prefer the firmer mattress or, you know, I mean, I have, I have a runner, I have a kid that hunches over video games pretty much all the time. And I mean, their needs are going to be different. Yeah. Realistically speaking, we all have different needs for what our body looks for when we're sleeping. Um, and I think giving them the opportunity, they're all teenagers. They want input on anything and everything that has anything to do with them. Yeah. So, and it's all the same pricing. And if I'm, you know, they don't charge you extra to come build the mattress at your house. That's, yeah, that's, the other what's, that's what's crazy. It's, it's the same price. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I appreciate you coming on here, especially when you've been working 14 <laughs> hours. I mean, you're well rested, obviously, but I you're am. still working, that's working a lot of hours. So. Best things. So I've been kind of keeping an eye on what my sleep tracking looks like on my wearable mm -hmm. and, um, my, Deep sleep cycles are longer. Hey, well, we got data. Uh, yeah, like there's legit hardcore data. I'm a, I like data. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. That drop is going to be coming back. <laughs> <laughs> totally out of context. There's legit hardcore data. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I can legitimately, I can see that my deep sleep cycles are longer. They're you know, the durations are better. The, the reoccurrences of deep sleep cycles are, are more frequent. Um, I'm just, I'm 
I am physically sleeping better. My back, usually we get into this part of the year and I mean, I have my office chairs, one of those yoga ball desk chairs and all these mm-hmm. things to try and keep my back from just completely being inflamed. I haven't had to go to the chiropractor at all yet this season. Wow. That never happens ever. Like my chiropractor and I are tight. Um, and I miss him. He's a great guy, but that's a copay I'm not paying this month. So, Hey, there you go. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, that that is awesome, guys. Any uh, any follow up questions that you have? I do not have mattress follow up questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Andy. I will. I will say that I did not. I knew that a California King was some kind of hybrid, but I had at least heard of it. So, yeah, I, I'd never heard of that. Really? No. But I'm kind of clueless about that kind of stuff. Hence why my wife King, is over here laughing at me. The King bed was. Was a big fine for us here at the Tonsonis. We we don't like to <laughs> we don't like to bump into each other <laughs> at night. And you can go there, go where you want with that. But no, it's state, AC after dark, Coach. You go, you take it any place you want. That's, uh, after dark, that's, that's, bedroom. That's, 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 oh, we, don't, we don't want to bump into each other unless it's planned. <laughs> uh, let's see comments from Ryan's girlfriend in the chat. Andy looks bored. Andy is here for moral support. Uh, uh, I was updating my. I, to be fair, I was updating my my spreadsheet that I keep for bracketology stuff with the scores that happened tonight while we were while we were talking about that. So I was listening. I got to hear that Jared didn't know what a California King was. I I paid attention to all of it. So uh, if I look like I was just staring into the screen, it's because I was staring into the screen to to see you. Because we like data. Because we like exactly. that's right. We like exactly. data. The the chat mob's been out of control tonight. It has been. In a good way. They're they're on target. Hey. It's a good chat. You know, the season keeps getting worse, but the chat mob just keeps getting better. Hey, keeps Mar- Mary, rising to the occasion. Mary Helen Chapman has had some good entries today uh, talking about being an IU fan for life, and she said that she just had a hip replacement and could stand to have a new mattress. Hey. So maybe I, we helped her out, Mary. Um, and she I, says, write to me. I'm serious. So let's okay. uh, help Mary get a new mattress. So we got, uh, it's comfortoption.com. If you use the promo code assembly, you'll get $50 off. So that's, that's where to go. And if you're in India or Bloomington, they will come to your house and put it together right there. Or you can order the alpha online. You can do that anywhere in the continental U.S. Uh, or even outside the continental U.S. I think Hawaii and Alaska too. And they'll ship it to you. 3090 satisfaction guarantee if you need it. And it's, you know, I mean... I kind of knew just from my experience with Nathan and researching the company that they were good, but now like my experience with him, you know, just, you know, working, you know, through the the ad campaign this year and your experience with them, it always makes you feel a little bit better when you have those firsthand experiences. So it's great to hear that and we can recommend it even, even stronger now. So. And Mary, we hope you, you get better from the, the hip replacement and, I guarantee you that your pregame routine is probably more intense than some of the IU kids I saw on Sunday. So, so keep up the good, keep up the good work, Mary, and keep joining us in the chat room. Coach is on fire right now. He is on fire. Well, Megan, thank you. Any, uh, by the way, uh, are you going to be able to come hang out with us after the Michigan State game, March second? I blocked out that time on my calendar weeks ago. (laughs) And Saturdays are usually good. That's always one of the things. Like, I was so excited that you guys went for March. Yeah. Because we've talked before about how that, like, last weekend in January is a 
nightmare for me. Um, yeah. Saturdays, we usually close at five, which means I can usually get out at a semi-reasonable hour. And Good. Uh, like I've, said, been, I've, I've been talking with yeah. someone at the tap about possibly doing something there. Um, and if the, if the reservation doesn't work, then we'll just kind of do it, you know, more impromptu. But okay. we'll, yeah, we'll get together mm-hmm. a couple hours after the game. I would Are imagine. they going to have live music again? The tap. Well, this, will be, this will be more in the afternoon, so I think we'd be well. I mean, we're into the evening, so I don't think it'll be as late as it was the other time when we were screaming at each other to yeah, talk. Because I'm old. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Yo, I'm one of so the old people that they're all worried about at assembly hall. Except I'm real good at getting up and getting loud. Um, but are there any other places you'd suggest? Um. If we can't get something else figured out, we could see about getting the crazy horses back room. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Okay. So. All right. I'll inquire there too. I was going to say, say, let me know if you need something with that. I've got people there. So. Oh, do you? Well, do you, okay. Do you want to look at that? Because I think with the tap, like they need a minimum number of people and like minimum drink and food orders and all that stuff. And yeah, I don't really want to get into all that. As long as we don't have anything else going on. Okay. So. Which they could because it's game day. Yeah, if if you can if if you can look into that and let yeah. me know. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. I can get that taken care of. That would be awesome. Well, Megan, thank you again Absolutely. for doing this and for being so professional with your microphone and beautiful <laughs> headphones. Is, uh, well, these these are just like cheap headphones, but my microphone is so I can do my radio ads for work. So you do radio ads? When I need to. I do the voiceover stuff. Do you really? I didn't know that. We should have you do some voiceover ads for us. Although I guess that's what we just did here with this, because we'll be using your voice in the ads. Yeah, he'll piece together it like you did read one, so it's fine. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, all right. I got it, everybody. Good seeing you guys. Two Two weeks from tomorrow, I'll be in Bloomington. Heck yeah. That's exciting. Absolutely. So, Coach, I assume you'll you'll be making the track down as well for that. Is that... Um. Actually, I hope not. That's our sectional weekend. Um, oh, Friday, okay. night, Friday night semifinal, Saturday night championship. So if All right, I'm well, there. All right. Well, then I hope I don't see you as well. Yeah, but thanks. <laughs> well, we can load up the uh, party vans and head north post game if we yeah. need to. That's true. If we win Saturday night, I'm driving down and buying everyone. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> go Western. <Save> that. <laughs> go Western. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. Good night, all. Night, we'll guys. see you all on Saturday. Thanks, Megan. Yep. Bye, everybody. Oh, and yeah, you, I. So you, I'm not going to be there Saturday. Yeah, you're out. As, I think. As I think Ryan continues with my inability to make weekend games. So. Yeah, I think Ryan will be there, and we might see if Chad wants to hop on with us again. Okay. So yeah, we got that, and then I guess I should look into March to see when. Although her basketball season will be over, so I think once we get through, once we get through February, I'm make, back. Make, to make sure you're normal. free for Wednesdays. Apparently. Because that'll be a real, a real hoot. I hope hope not. But (laughs) anyway, all right, sounds good. I will talk to you because it's Saturday, and then when's the next game next week? Tuesday, Purdue. Tuesday, yeah. Quick turnaround. Okay, yeah. I'll be on for I'll be on for that one. So I will talk to you Tuesday. Cool. All right, take it easy. Bye, everybody. Too much stuff getting in the way of your spring cleaning? Give yourself a little more elbow room with a storage unit from 5A Rent-A-Space. We're offering 50% off of select spaces for six months with locations in Moraga and Foster City. Call 650-338-0016 or visit 5aspace.com today. 
Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.